Hello Balloon Artist Podcast Nation, what's up? Zivi Kivi here and this is season 8, episode 7 and today Sarah Thorne Mayer, the winner of the Designer Award in Float 19 and recently also it was announced that Sarah Mayer will be designing the Grand Gala Party in the next WBC in 2021. Let's hear from this very talented individual here is the interview with Sarah Mayer. Take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Zivi Kivi here, and I'm super excited to have this interview today with the designer of the year, Sarah Myers. You won so many competitions in Float 2019. I actually had the privilege of watching you work and watching your amazing designs. And I remember when I saw the foil design with the turtle, immediately I was like, okay, this is going to place really well. And later on, I saw some of your other designs, like your organic piece, and boy, you know, it was all the signs were all over the place about your potential, which actually materialized in the form of winning so many awards and the designer of the year award. And that is actually while you're quite young in the journey. So let's get to know you. Hello, Sarah. Hello. <laughs> For those of us that weren't there in float, tell us first of all, a little bit about who you are and your background in the arts. I'm Sarah Meyer. I live in Wisconsin. I own Wisconsin Balloon Decor. And I have been doing balloons for like three years. Before that, I was an art teacher and went to art college and started a face painting company, which eventually led to balloons. There's a lot of people that kind of do both and flow back and forth between the two. But I don't know. I found balloon decor a couple years ago and I really liked it. And I think it just, it was another creative outlet for me. I feel like I'm always doing something crafty or trying something new. I like working on sculptures and hand on, hands on builds. And it just kind of fits what I already liked to do. So it's kind of a natural next step for me. Cool. And you just got back, like when we're doing this interview, it's like a week or so after flow. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. A couple of weeks, I don't know. Uh, it's hard to tell because I'm just still in the jet lag of, after doing a, oh, I know. a second convention. But how is it for you in terms of going back into your day-to-day -day world after winning every single competition that, you know, placing, at least, at least placing <laughs> every single competition you signed up for? And did you have any adventure with a customer that... You show them the pictures and maybe something happened after that? You know, I don't know. I posted some stuff on Facebook and Instagram and I got, you know, everyone is really supportive and encouraging. I think more than anything, it kind of just gave me a boost of confidence and renewed my excitement for what I do, especially coming off of uh, New Year's. It's my biggest day and it's not a lot of fun stuff. It's just a lot of balloon drops and blowing up thousands of balloons and deliveries. And so I get really worn out on New Year's Eve. So to go into float where everyone's so creative and I was able to make things that 
I just wanted to make, you know, I wasn't trying to please a client. I was just able to kind of create stuff. It really just kind of renewed my energy and coming back, I'm probably a little bit more aggressive with sales and ambitious in what I'm trying to propose to people. Yeah, it was a good confidence booster. And I met a lot of people that are doing cool things and inspiring me and took a ton of classes that nothing like changed entirely how I do things, but it's those little tips that you pick up, little efficiencies that you gain and just different ways of doing the same thing that you're already doing. So I was excited to get back on the job and test out some of those little shortcuts and things that I learned throughout the week. But yeah, it's exhausting. I mean, conventions are are tiring and coming back to my day-to-day job was a little bit of a letdown, but also (laughs) kind of nice to let my body rest a little bit and get back into normal life. What was the hardest bit about competing in five different competitions? Is that right? Yep. You know, for me, I think it was just a follow through. I think I sent in my paperwork to compete like several months before. But then all of a sudden it was two weeks before and then it was one week before and I hadn't really nailed down what I was doing and hadn't placed my supply order yet. And you get to that point where you realize it would just be a lot easier to not compete, <laughs> to just go and have fun. But then once I was there, I didn't feel like I was struggling with much. I feel like I had my design kind of mapped out in my head. One, I was the foil one. I was kind of winging it on the fly. But everything else, I had a pretty solid plan. And you just kind of hope that nothing goes terribly wrong. But in balloons, something usually does go wrong. So the fact that I didn't have anything really go haywire, you know, was good. And I just really enjoyed it. I, mean, I like competing. I like pushing myself to do things that are a little bit scary. and. Yeah, it worked out. It was really fun. And uh, one of the things that I noticed, because Stephen Jones actually pointed it out on stage after he declared your win, was the fact that you were actually, your team was compiled of yourself only. You didn't get anyone <laughs> to join your team. Tell me about what went through your head when you've decided to do that this way. A lot of that came down to kind of finishing up my designs pretty late. So for me, it seems like it would be a little bit more stressful trying to communicate an unresolved design to someone else versus just kind of working it out in my head on the fly. And also I'm newer to balloons. So I don't have a huge group of people to call up. I don't have a crew that I normally work with. There were tons of people that eventually I met and would volunteer and would have helped. But I don't know, for me, I just like putting on headphones and kind of getting in the zone and building. And that's, that's how I work on the job. So I didn't really want to stray too much from that in these competitions. But it was really, and especially by the last competition, I definitely had taken my headphones off. I was talking to the other people who are competing. And all the competitions take place before the convention even starts. So it was really fun to really know those people and kind of have this little team that we were all working together. We were all in all the competitions at the same time. And we were all friends before anyone else even got there. So that was kind of the best advantage I thought of competing. I was able to meet a lot of people. By the end, we were kind of like sharing supplies and you know, helping people finish that were down to the wire. And it was, I mean, I thought it was really friendly and fun. So I didn't feel like I was alone, even though I guess technically <laughs> I was. Cool. That's a good answer. Legit answer. And you definitely proved that it is possible. Look, guys, I need to explain a little bit, paint the picture a bit for you, because this is an audio form interview and Sarah is modest. So her designs were amazing. 
they were very aesthetically pleasing. They had a good concept on every single one of them, and they were appreciated by many. Did you win any of the People's Choice Award? Yes, but I don't know if I can recall which one. I think it was the foil one. Foil I did. Yeah, organic I might have, but I shouldn't have because the one that with the clear balloons was so thick. It was so good. <laughs> I don't remember if it was that one. It was really so good. So the foil, yeah. Yeah, I something. Agree. Your designs were with a touch. It had an artistic touch that felt like there's a designer behind this piece and it started to just speak very clearly that it is a mature piece. So when you are in float, basically, did you go to the classes? Did you have the capacity to learn after going through such a hard couple of days with all the competitions? Oh, yeah. I love the classes. I skipped some of the 831 because <laughs> we were up pretty late. I did go to a lot of classes and yeah, picking up those little tips. I mean, some of them I wish I had known two days earlier when I was competing. So you just constantly pick up new things and Some of the littlest things that I've already been able to implement have been game changers. Like Chris Adamo has his, uh, you know, fishing line or his monofilament, like in a little pouch on his waist. And it was like the easiest thing ever, but it like blew my mind because my mind's always like rolling away and falling off of ladders and <laughs> chasing the school. So it's like little things like that just save you time on the job and make things more efficient that I took away from it. Tell us a little bit about your business as a face painter and balloons and deco, where are you located and what type of a team do you manage if it's a team or if it's only by yourself? Tell us a little bit more. So I don't really face paint much anymore because the balloons kind of took over and I don't want to fill a weekend with two-hour face painting birthday party when I could potentially have a big decor job come up. I am... So I'm between two big cities in Wisconsin. Milwaukee and Madison, but I live right in this little resort town called Lake Geneva. So there's a lot of hotels and there's a lot of weddings and coordinators and really active vendors in my town, which has been great for my business. So I do most of my networking with other wedding coordinators or florists or event coordinators. That's how I've formed most of my connections, but I'm doing tons of weddings lately, especially in summer. I do a lot of outdoor tent weddings with like just lit up three foot balloons or installations on the ceiling. I do pretty simple stuff. I think I do pretty pretty basic decor, but you know, I like things simple. I would want to have white balloons at my wedding, not some big huge sculpture or something. You know, I, I like simple and I think a lot of things I make tend to be pretty modern but I guess well done, but but just simple. Yeah, I think When balloon, people want balloons, you just <laughs> you give them balloons. You don't always have to work super hard to turn them into something else. Sometimes they can just be beautiful on their own. But yeah, the, the, the resort town where I work, is it's been really great for my business, but it's still just me. I run a home-based business. I do probably 90% of the stuff on site because I am usually working in hotels. They have 24-hour access to the room. So I'll go in late or I'll go in early or I'll work around their schedule or my schedule. Yeah, I don't do a lot of deliveries. I do mostly corporate stuff, mostly event spaces. If someone wants to go and see, you know, just follow your rank and see some of your work, do you have like a website mm -hmm. or a Facebook page that we can visit? Yeah. My website is wisconsinballoondecor.com. 
but I'm really active on Instagram. That's where I post a lot, just kind of on the fly. I do a lot of stories. I actually like to socialize with people on social media. So I chat with people. That's how I, 99% of my brides come from Instagram. And then all the coordinators, like most of the wedding coordinators around here are also, you know, young women. And we chat on sometimes Facebook, but mostly Instagram. I just feel like it's a really social visual medium and it's, it's helped me land some of my bigger clients, I'd say. So that's where I'm the most active. But you can email me or go to my website, but you'll see everything on, on Instagram. Just out of curiosity, if you don't mind, how many followers do you have? I'm not sure. Not that many, like 2,000-ish. There's people who have 14,000 or... And it's like, well, you don't have 14,000 clients. So I don't... <laughs> you know, I don't think it matters. I think it's much better to have a a tight little group of followers that you actually interact with and you know who they are and they know who you are versus having these big inflated accounts where you kind of just lose track of everything that way, I think. And your feed becomes kind of boring and you don't know whose stuff you're even looking at. I much rather follow my friends or people who inspire me or my clients. I mean, I talk back and forth with all my clients on Instagram and do little, you know, like when I'm doing a, a walkthrough of their event space, I'll put that in my story and tag them and then they get excited because they know I'm thinking about them and that planning. And yeah, it's really social. It works out really well, well for me. That's very, very interesting. Thank you for that. So what would you wish for yourself for the rest of the year? I am focusing on doing jobs I like. I think that's one of the advantages of having a day job. I'm able to be really picky and only take jobs that interest me or you know, are really profitable or just make me a new connection with someone that I've been trying to work for for a while. So instead of just waiting to get emails and kind of letting my inbox dictate what I do, I started, you know, reaching out to people that I want to work with and just pursuing interesting work. I can't just like make red, white, and blue columns all day long. I would go crazy. I like doing interesting things. I like doing new things. I like doing pretty, <laughs> pretty things, which I, I said I do a lot of weddings and that's one of the hard things about weddings. It's a one-time client. You know, it's not going to be repeat business and hopefully. But getting in with the, the resorts is really nice because brides often kind of hook you up with their on-site coordinator and then you can work at the hotel. But I rather do a one-off really special installation rather than a car dealership every month. Like that would drive me insane. So yeah, this year I'm just kind of really focused and trying to... Just keep everything exciting and interesting as a reminder of, you know, why I do this. Cool. Who are some of your heroes or influencers in the balloon industry? Oh, gosh. I feel like everyone from Australia. <laughs> like, if you're from Australia, you're doing it right. I don't know. It's like they teach balloons in school over there. But right now, I'm just fascinated by people who can do these big installs. Like, I want to get a big install. I want to cover the side of a building with balloons this year. And I'm going to do it somehow, but <laughs> you got to find the right client first. But yeah, so anyone who can work just on a big scale over and over, day in, day out, I think is really interesting. Dennis Scott in Chicago, he's the one who got me into balloons. So he's just been like a mentor and yeah, I really respect everything he does. He's more of a twister, but he does a ton of decor too and taught me so much. So Balloons by Tommy, they are in Chicago as well, which isn't far from me. I've always been huge fans of them. I did a workshop through Balloon Coach that they did balloons for their Pride Parade a couple years ago. That was one of the first times I ever touched a balloon. 
you know, I look to them, they're just pros. They just do things on a crazy scale and the speed at which they work is amazing. But just recently too, I kind of stopped comparing myself to other businesses because it, you know, their goals aren't my goals necessarily. You know, my goal is not just growth at all costs. Like I like having a small little custom type of business. I don't know. I'm inspired by everyone. I think it's so, I think what people are doing right now are, it's just amazing. <laughs> Wonderful. Have you ever considered going into the teaching circuit? Yeah, I would love that. I was a teacher for five years and I really liked it. I love teaching art. I taught my first balloon class this past year at FPBA, which is mostly a face painting convention uh, in St. Louis, but it's where I took my first balloon class. It was really fun going back a couple of years later and being able to teach, but it was really just the basics, how to make a duplet and then a quad and how that builds a lot of different things. But that was the first class I took. And for that first year, I only knew how to make a column. So I just sold the heck out of columns and <laughs> made enough money to then buy a nice inflator and then just kind of built up from there. So I love teaching. I love being around people. I love you know sharing anything that I have learned, even though I'm still so new to everything but you know i think everyone has interesting tips to share and things to offer so yeah i, I love the idea of teaching cool guys this is really important that you go into balloonartistpodcast.com and check the pictures of the different pieces that won all of them placed uh, some of them first place some of them second place some of them won the people's award the people's choice and eventually all of the scores together from all of the five pieces that Sarah designed have granted her the biggest award that is given in float that is designer of the year. Sarah, <laughs> the only bitter news about your award is that you're going to lose the focus in one year from now instead of two years. Oh, I know. Unless... The short uh, rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're only going to rain because float is usually every two years, but this time they're uh, switching the rotation with WBC. So basically next year in 2020, float will happen again. But you can always compete again. And so yeah. I think it's going to be very interesting and I definitely wish you... The best of luck in your journey. You inspire many and you have even, I dare say, a responsibility with it to keep on pushing with your art and with your vision and with your approach. Be loyal to yourself only, but don't forget to keep us posted about what you do because it's really important and inspiration for many. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'll be back at Float next year for sure. So I will see everyone there. <laughs> awesome. Guys, this is the end of this short and special episode with Sarah Myers. Again, you need to watch some of her pictures to understand the, the magnitude of the talent and quite an impressive meteoric launch into the balloon pond. Congratulations again. I'm so happy for all of your success. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Isn't she great? I saw Sarah in action in Float 19 and the way that she was working with color on top of the foil balloons and, and in general, it was so beautiful to see how fresh her look into the balloon world is. And I'm totally in appreciation for the decision of Pioneer to select Sarah. She will bring a totally fresh look 
to the design in WBC in the night that she's responsible for. And congratulations, Sarah. Thank you guys for listening for yet another episode of Balloon Artist Podcast. And see you next week on the next episode. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. What's up? Zivi Kivi here. And this is Season 8, Episode 7, the tip section. And as you already know, the tip section on this season is more, it's more about the stories. And the stories teach us so much. And the story of today is a metaphor that I use in business and in business decisions all the time. Pretty much every single day I use this metaphor. And it's the metaphor of the canoe boat and the small boat. So when you start in business, you have a canoe and you learn how to paddle in it and how to get from one place to another inside this lake. When you get to the other side, you get some food and and maybe some money and you can go, go back to the village uh, on the on your side of the lake on the first one. Um, and you do this for a while, but then you notice that there are other boats out there, bigger boats that are really looking good and you want to have a bigger boat too. You want to grow your business. So you take a chance and you buy a bigger boat than the canoe. Uh, we'll call that the small boat. The small boat is already a business it's not a hobby it's not uh, something that you can do it's not just a skill it's something that you have to justify the expense of buying the small boat so you need to get some money and you notice that pedaling the small boat is way harder it's heavier you need more strength and there are holes in your small boat that you need to actually close because they keep bringing water into your small boat and you, you, you're slower by, by that. And from time to time, you will see other boats in the lake. You will see a team of people rowing the small boat, all of them together at the same time in unison with the same uniform. And they, are, they, they work amazingly together, but they're not rowing alone. Uh, there, there's the, the, the person that is managing the boat and there's the wife or the spouse of that person that is encouraging him and there's uh, like and supporting him and there's like all of the team of that boat you know the accountant and the graphic designer and the website fixer and everything everyone are working together that so that the boat will move fast and it doesn't have any holes and you're looking into your old second hand you uh, small boat and all you see is how small it is and how hard it is to paddle well it's hard to paddle because of the holes and business is the process of closing the holes in your small boat from time to time you even have to you have to from time to time go back to the canoe go back to the basics going back in, go back to the uh, setting where you know everything works for you and that you get results and go back and look what is different between the small boat and the, and, and the canoe and find out the holes in the small boats that way. There are all sorts of exercises that I do with people that I coach that helps me find what are the holes in the business of the person that I'm talking with, that I'm coaching. 
Um, but even just the metaphor of understanding that business is a never-ending process of closing the holes in your business. When was the last time you fixed something on your homepage? When was the last time you fixed something with the way that you talk with customers in, in the pre-sale funnel or in uh, the post-sale funnel? Uh, where can you add more value for them? Where can you fix things? You need to look for those holes all the time. This metaphor also works well with the keep the thorn in metaphor that I shared with you in a previous episode. The thorn is in and you need to keep it in until you finish fixing the bigger holes that you have in your business. And you know what happens after you fix those holes and you become faster with your small boat? There are new holes that are created by the fact that you are faster and you couldn't even imagine or see them yet. So it's, it's time to fix those holes again. And the more, the, 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 the more you grow, the more you become dependent on other people to do so, which is a good thing. To delegate is a good thing for you. To do that, that, that helps you grow too. So with that said, I hope you've enjoyed this metaphor of closing the holes. It serves me really well in my businesses. And I am excited to share with you this moment and see you next week on the Balloon Artist podcast.